It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, the Series 1 Club has a rally. Land Rover runs out of aluminum. We talk about the Forest Rover. We talk about the right way to hang a door. And everyone's new favorite segment, favorite Land Rover accessories. And now, without delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at the Barris Collection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thanks to everyone joining us today. I'm the bias ply to Stephen's radio, the unsynchronized crash box of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online, Facebook, and Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. All right, Stephen, let's get started. All right, Ike. So this week in the news, um, our good friends uh, at the uh, Land Rover Series 1 Club, of which you and I uh, are both uh, members uh, in, uh, well, I imagine in, in uh, about to be expelled, um, but uh, always just on the edge of expulsion. Um, but they had a big event uh, in the beautiful, beautiful Lake District uh, of, uh, of our mother England. Yeah, I was excited to see that some of our uh, friends in the UK have been participating in uh, this year's Series 1 Land Rover Club Rally. I think this is the the biggest event that they have had since the pandemic uh, and uh, getting a lot of interesting photos and yeah. uh, and whatnot from that event. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our friends are over there driving their early Land Rovers around and uh, having fun in in what looks like much cooler weather than what we're experiencing. So I've been quite jealous uh, looking at that, seeing uh, a lot of the trails that they're doing, the the, uh, the green laning and the uh, trials and um, you know some of the show stuff. Uh, looks like a great time. I'm very jealous. Yeah, it has uh, been unseasonably, let's say, warm uh, here on the uh, the west coast of the uh, of the country. 111 degrees yesterday, which is a new record for this area. It, that's literally the hottest it's ever been. Yeah, it was 109 here in Los Angeles, and that was pretty close to to being as hot as it's ever been in June. So I can't even imagine, like, what are people in Oregon doing when it's 111 degrees? They're melting. They yeah. just they melted into yeah. puddles. There's just puddles every so often along the sidewalk. Yeah. No, it's 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 really incredible. And uh, uh, this early in the year, people are definitely concerned about uh, fires and whatnot, yeah. especially with uh, Fourth of July coming up. Oh, everybody, yeah. everybody knows the most responsible people uh, with fireworks uh, turn out to celebrate the Fourth of July. Oh, absolutely! And I think the best way to celebrate a forest fire, um, you know, uh, potential forest fire season on the Fourth of July is, of course, with a Roman candle fight, um, and that is how I will be spending. Uh, my Fourth uh, of July. Uh, so I uh, hope everybody can come and uh, <laughs> and join us for the annual Barris Collection dry wood sticks and leave pile Roman candle fight on the evening of July Fourth uh, as we've rung in the new year uh, that way many times the the new Fourth of July year. And listen, I only became an American about what four or five weeks ago now, so I'm still. I, I thought it was a new calendar year, the Fourth of July, sort of like a Chinese New Year thing. I guess it isn't, but anyways. 
your customs are still so very strange to me. So you, you'll get a hold of them. Yeah, uh, we'll you know, I think you need more firearms, though. Yeah, you can never. That's and Toby Keith CDs. Apparently, that's uh, those two things. I only got the one when I signed up uh, to be an American. So uh, the rest, I guess, just come with time. So I do already have a. I did go to my citizenship interview in a pickup truck, though. So I did feel they, like I'm already. Do they give you a certificate like your? You're they an American. Did. I had to give it back to them though to get my passport. So it's currently with them again. So it was sort of like a we'll give it to you, but then you gotta basically immediately give it back to us. So that's interesting because as an American, I don't have that certificate. They don't give you like one when you're born. You don't get that. So no. no. So no. you got a certificate for being an American and then I, I don't. Do. I feel uh I feel kind of cheated. Well, I'll make you a certificate if you'd like for uh it's got a picture of Toby Keith in the in the corner. Um and he's uh, and he's uh, he's shooting uh, a beaver. So oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, potential tragedies, apparently a Liberty Aluminum in the UK is uh, is under financial duress. Yeah, LAT or Liberty Aluminum Technologies. LAT. The boys from LAT uh, are in big trouble. Apparently, days, maybe days uh, of solvency left before uh, they may uh, they may go under. And I'm not sure. Uh, how aware you are of this, uh, Ike, but uh, Landovers are made uh, a lot of aluminum, almost entirely out of aluminum now. And this is the primary supplier of JLR for all of their aluminum uh, shoot, uh, sheet goods, rather. So uh, it is uh, potentially a big deal, you know? Yeah. For a manufacturer that prides itself on uh, or is famously, famously. Uh, renowned for its uh, aluminum bodywork. That's a that's a serious problem. Oh man! And you know they have that enormous press—a press that is the size of uh, you know a small uh, you know a, a small hotel um, that does those giant whole sides of Range Rovers and things in a in a single push. So much so that I believe they they dug. Uh, um, Michael Bishop talks about it in his uh, in his book where they did a uh, I think they did an interview with uh, either Spen King or. Or Roger Craythorn. I don't remember which one of them they sat. No, it would have been Spen King. They sat down uh, and talked to him, and one, that was one of the things on the factory tour um, that they were, uh, you know, that they were so impressed with was this building-sized uh, press that takes these sheets of aluminum. We assume from the from the gentleman at Lat and uh, and stamps them out into Range Rover shapes and and things. And uh, yeah, without that raw aluminum sheet, I uh, I think it's pretty hard to make an aluminum car without any aluminum. So. Well, this uh, kind of uh, goes hand in hand with some of the other news that we've been hearing about supply chain issues for semiconductors and other things. And so uh, maybe that will uh, hopefully, hopefully it will resolve itself and uh, they will get back on track. But uh, yeah, it could be a potential uh, problem for making new vehicles. Yeah, yeah if you can't, can't get the body. You know, I guess you like just that. start bowling, uh, sort of balling up Reynolds wrap and hope for the best. You know, I mean, uh, you just get, uh, I imagine enough, enough sheets of Reynolds wrap and eventually you get a Range Rover. Probably just, just start smelting down, uh, uh, Rover V8s with head gasket problems yeah. and making, <laughs> no. making panels out of those. No shortage. No, no shortage. shortage of those. But for some no. reason, the panels, they warp after like, you know, it's uh, not, not very long. For some reason, <laughs> no. immediately warp. I don't know. It's, uh, that just aluminum is cursed. A lot of air gaps. Unfortunately, when that uh, when that uh, block was designed, I, I believe the designer ran over a gypsy with his car on the way home or something. And that engine has been forever cursed. So unfortunately, 
That's that's probably actually what happened. Like uh, a Stephen Kurt. King novel, uh, Cursed Forever. So, uh, Ike, on today's uh, Britain's Top Model, um, one vehicle that is extraordinarily rare in the world of land rovering, but also very close to uh, to your heart um, and something that you're actively uh, in uh, in process with uh, the world famous and of course, very famous in Canada, uh, Forest Rover. Yes, yes, the Forest Rover. I am excited about the Forest Rover. The Forest Rover is uh, the most popular land Rover model among six to 12 year old. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when you see this Land Rover, you you immediately are drawn to it because it has the largest wheels and tires of any uh, factory-approved vehicle ever made. I mean, of many cars ever made, to be fair. It uh, it definitely has. Uh, it's the most monster trucky of all of oh. the uh, Land Rovers. Oh, it's so appealing because it has the 48-inch tall tractor tires mounted to it and uh, ridiculous uh, fenders and, or mud guards that go around them. And so it's just a ridiculous looking vehicle. And, uh, these vehicles, uh, were made by roadless traction limited mm-hmm. and, uh, they are, um, kind of famous for building tractor conversions, like four wheel drive tractor conversions yeah. for especially steep or especially rugged terrain. So they did a lot of, uh, of chain drive and um, transfer case conversions on tractors in the fifties and sixties and so on. Um, the forest Rover itself is uh, it's, it's an interesting beast because it, it has an extremely wide front axle in order mm-hmm. to be able to turn. They had to push the wheels and tires out away from the chassis uh, quite far because they're, they're so large that they had to make the whole vehicle much, much wider in order to get that clearance to turn. And they, they didn't do that in the back. So it has this kind of crab track appearance. So the, the front axle is much wider than the rear axle. And uh, their justification for that was, uh, oh, we don't want the the front wheels um, traveling in the same track as the rear wheels because it'll get extra Mm. traction. But uh, I think from an engineering and steering and capability perspective, that has since been proven to not be true. But I suppose in certain circumstances, having the rear wheels not in the the track or, uh, or, or furrow made by the front wheels could could make it more capable hmm. it uh it has uh uh just it's just a crazy looking vehicle because it has a custom bed on it because there there wasn't any way to make the factory beds accommodate those extremely large wheels and tires but by by and large you know the land rover portion of it is not as heavily modified as uh as you would expect well, you would think to drive those giant tractor wheels, you would need some amount of modification to the Land Rover motor at the very least. See, uh, that is not true because um, what they did was they re-geared the axles. Mm. They used mm-hmm. planetary hubs mm-hmm. and uh, epic cyclic gearing in the hubs to As make yeah, to, to accommodate, to basically use the standard gearing in the Land Rover transmission and transfer case and drive the wheels 
at a much slower rate. So one of the particular features of this car is of course the planetary axles, which reduces the gearing quite a bit. I want to say the, the final drive on the gearing instead of being 4.7 is more like 13 to mm. one or something mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> so it's, it's quite, quite a bit lower geared. It's than not a standard winning Land any Rover. drag races unless that drag race is up a very slippery and muddy hill. Or, or dragging something. Or literally a drag race. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. If it's yeah. dragging something, it might yeah. still win. It, it is an extremely capable Land Rover because the mm -hmm. rolling resistance with those huge wheels and tires is, is quite low. It doesn't have locking differentials. It has these axles, and these axles were um, kind of uh, mythical in the Land Rover you know, world because these vehicles are so unusual. They, I think they made – there's various reports, so and they didn't keep great records – but uh, somewhere between nine and 20 vehicles. Mm -hmm. Some say there were nine vehicles and 20 sets of axles. Mm. Some say there were 20 vehicles, but um, certainly there are not 20 that still survive. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, the axles themselves, you know, there was a lot of speculation. Who made them? You know, where did they come from? Uh, you know, you know how these uh, yeah. Land Rover myths perpetuate themselves. One person says it, the next person repeats it. So, uh, you know, Growing up and reading about this vehicle, a lot of people speculated that the axles were old Studebaker military truck axles oh, from World War II. Yeah. And, the, and that is not true. Oh, okay. That is not true. The okay. axles were made by a company called Kirkstall Forge. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kirkstall Forge was a, a forge that was essentially in business to, from the year after the Battle of Hastings, like 1067. They were, they were making ice, like smelting iron, making anvils, making yeah. like wagon axles, you know, and, and that progressed until, uh, you know, the, the sixties when they were making forklift axles, mm. industrial axles, these sorts of things. And so roadless traction limited apparently worked with Kirkstall forge later became a part of the Dana corporation and probably dissolved. Mm, but yeah, you right. know, when, when you take those thousand year old companies and dissolve them, that's always a good feeling, but yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. That was a great yeah. ROI on that, uh, dissolution. Yeah. So Kirkstall Forge made these axles and, uh, that correspondingly, of course, the parts availability for the Kirkstall Forge axles is pretty low. Yeah. I can imagine. And the, and the forklifts that use them are are also rare. They're just mm. like incredibly rare everything. I'm going to listen to that Land podcast, River. though, the collectible forklift uh, podcast. I'm sure that is a, just a, a laugh a minute. You know, uh, one thing I've learned working with Land Rovers is if something was made, another person collects it. And it doesn't matter how obscure, how silly uh, how ridiculous it is, there is a collector's market. If you've ever seen the YouTube video where the couple is splitting up, they're divorcing and splitting up their beanie babies, oh. you know you know that people will collect anything and yeah. be very excited about you it. You know, I have to say my brother, and more so my father, got really into beanie babies. They were into the collecting of them. They had them. They had their little plastic cases, all this sort of stuff. This is not and, something you should admit. No, I know. And then decades later, of course, my daughter realized, and this was just a month ago, that in fact my, my father and brother had collected beanie babies, and there's nothing in this world she wanted than all those beanie babies, which of course were gotten rid of like a decade earlier and it was crushing for her. She's she's really still just getting over the fact that there was a giant beanie baby treasure trove that they had amassed and they didn't keep it for her. 
So well, she shouldn't worry because uh, I'm sure that will be scarring in other respects later in her life. Yeah, exactly. Once she realizes that two nearly grown men collected uh, just a ton of Beanie <laughs> Babies, there's a story where my father like uh, got into like a, not a physical altercation, but like a verbal altercation with an old lady in a Beanie Baby shop trying to get some exclusive Beanie Baby. It oh got, no! It, it came to words. Apparently, it was a big. It was. It was a struggle. Oh no! I'm not sure which one of them was more into it, my brother or my my dad. But uh, oh you know, man, yeah. Anyways, so, and you know my dad; he's a fairly stoic gentleman. So uh, it's interesting to know that yeah, he was he was in the heat of the Beanie Baby collecting. Wow, so many people's opinion of you has has just changed, and not in a positive direction. Yeah, no, right it's, now. it's true. Well, stay tuned for Ike and I's Beanie Baby Collector Podcast coming uh, <laughs> later on. We'll have some special Beanie Baby Patreon content as well. Smash that like button and subscribe. So uh, the Forest Rover, made in small numbers. You know, I'll, I'll, several examples were given to the Hydrology Institute in the UK. You know, uh, they were evaluated basically by, by several institutions. The um, BC Hydro and BC Forest Service uh, yeah. had, it, depending on the account you listen to, either one or two vehicles. The vehicle that I have, which is is not complete, but I uh, have uh, the important parts, you know, the axles and the wheels and the, the special uh, dash panel with the speedometer that only goes up to 40 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. That vehicle was supposedly the Canadian, you know, hydro vehicle that was yeah. uh, used for evaluation up there. And um, I'm, I'm told that that was assembled in the United States, potentially uh, by Rover North America in the Bay Area. And they have oh. a photo of it next to a standard example. So my vehicle was most likely built using a left-hand drive North American spec car mm. as the basis for it. And it's supposedly the only left-hand drive one that was ever made. Uh, when the snowy hydro scheme in Australia, when they were working on that, the big the, the snowy um, hydro dam project in in uh, southern southern uh, sorry, excuse me, southeastern Australia, mm-hmm. when that was being made, they built their own. They built their oh. own sort of like it's kind of a forest rover thing, and you can find pictures of this vehicle online. And uh, basically they made one without planetary axles and Mm -hmm. it was a horrible, horrible failure. You know, uh, typically they're pretty clever down there, but uh, that particular vehicle did not fare well. Oh, that's too bad. So what do you think for yours, uh, a timeline to get it back into uh, service and uh, I don't know, maybe start your own hydro scheme. Uh, What do you, uh, what's next? What do you, what do you need to get it done? You know, oddly, I do have a dam building project that it would probably be useful for. So I'm pretty excited about uh, potentially using my forest rover for that dam building project. But it does depend on the availability of some parts that are are scarce. Hmm. And uh, there's, uh, I think, a, one of the planetary gears is missing. And yeah. so fortunately, it's not a helical gear. It's a straight cut gear. So I can hmm. probably have that particular gear wire EDM'd. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, you know, some general restoration work that has to happen. I did find some wheel cylinders for it. I've been, uh, you know, busy trying to get that uh, off the ground. But um, I'm I'm very excited about putting that vehicle, pressing it back into service in some capacity. Yeah, that's a really neat example. Very rare vehicle and very, uh, man, just what a cool, what a cool car. 
Yeah, it's a super neat car. One again, one of my favorite, and I, I completely agree. I think every little kid uh, that when you draw a truck uh, as a little as a little kid, that's what you draw: giant tires and like a little tiny cab on top. Just just fantastic. Silly, silly, really silly cool. car. So, Ike, a, a tip-top uh, tech tip to complement our online series of tip-top tooltips. If you haven't been to our Patreon to check out the tip-top tooltips, uh, please do so because they're great. At one point, uh, I ripped my hand open with a piece of safety wire and bled all over a video and uh, just had to cut around it. So there's a, a fun bonus feature that... Uh, that was the, the most popular one. It was well, Funny enough. Yeah, it's weird. In a different kind of circle, though, but uh, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, S&M uh, sort of people now Tune in to, to our channel. Patreon where <laughs> Steven hurts himself in every video. Every video, I get some kind of a, a small injury. I just stabbed myself with with a, uh, the end of safety wire. And if you are familiar with safety wire, it's rigid. And when you cut it, you, you tend to cut it at a bit of an angle. So it's razor sharp. And, uh, but thankfully it's like surgical steel. So here it's, it's all right. It'll be, it'll be like that middle Eastern guy that does the electrical videos that shocks himself in every one. <laughs> it'll be video, incredibly yeah. popular. That's what I'm going for. That's my plan. It's incredibly to, uh, popular. Every video. So, uh, today's, uh, tip top, uh, tech tip is, uh, hanging, uh, doors on your Land Rover. As everyone knows, the hinges uh, sort of control the back and forth, up and down panel gap uh, situation. And uh, it's uh, a challenge. I've, I've seen a couple of people now, uh, just this came to me during some Instagramming this week and people frustrated with trying to get their panel gaps correct on the Land Rover doors. The secret is, of course, they came panel gapped incorrectly from the factory because they're such a nuisance to to get correct. So, Ike, what's your, what's your trick for uh, getting... Uh, Land Rover doors, uh, be they Defender or Series, hung uh, properly. Of course, every model is a little different, but what's your? what are some general tip-top tech tips? Well, I think uh, before we do our uh, tip-top tip tip, we need to talk about, you know, uh, a historical incident in the Land Rover factory mm -hmm. that has to do with panel gaps. You know, for those of you that don't know, when Land Rover was uh, building their Series and Defender vehicles, they brought in uh, competing vehicles to evaluate their, you know, door seals and panel gaps. And uh, they had, I think it was a Toyota, uh, mm -hmm. a Mercedes-Benz, and a Land Rover. And they were evaluating these vehicles during the design process. And they, they set them next to one another. And um, this was kind of before a lot of the animal rights things that we have today. They put a cat into each vehicle and the idea was that they would they would come back each successive day and check on the condition of the cat and that would tell them how well the panels fit, how the door seals worked and so on. And so they came back the next day and the cat in the Mercedes Benz had perished. And so mm -hmm. they were like, this is probably the standard that we need to go Airtight. for. Can't yes. get, nothing gets in or out. Yeah. And then the, the next day they went to the Toyota you know, it was still alive, but in a week's time, the, the cat in the Toyota had perished. And so they were like, well, we probably need to be above that. And they, they checked on the cat in the Land Rover prototype vehicle that they were working with. And the cat was just gone. It was yeah. just gone. It just, they couldn't even find it. <laughs> and so I think that was during like British Leland. So, yeah. so I think that's the standard that we still enjoy 
with most series and defender vehicles today. It's a completely and cat permeable environment. The cat is gone. The cat yeah, is gone. Cat we should make gone. we should make stickers that say the cat is gone. <laughs> <laughs> the cat is gone. So I, I think that uh, yeah, setting your panel gaps on your series or defender vehicle is uh, is very important to your enjoyment of the the vehicle. You know, there's a lot of restorations out there online where you know people close the door and the door overlaps the tub, or you know, like there's <laughs> the the door top hits the windshield frame, or you know, various things. And it, it, the Land Rover is built basically from the back to the front. You know, the British phrase back to front, that comes from the assembly of the Land Rover series and Defender vehicles. And so there's not really a lot of adjustment in the tub on a series or Defender. So the tub is kind of in a fixed location. So your, your adjustability has to happen at the firewall. And there's two places that happens, the position of the firewall and the hinges themselves. Mm -hmm. And so ideally, the leading and trailing edge of your door would be parallel to one another, right? Mm -hmm. Which is not always true. That's no. not always true no, on no, every no. door. No. no, But ideally, that would be the case. And, and that would mean that your uh, leading, I'm sorry, trailing edge of the firewall and your leading edge mm -hmm. of the, the tub should be parallel to one another right. in order to get the door to close correctly between it. And so what we do when we're assembling vehicles is we have a dimension that we've taken and, and you can do this too. find the Land Rover friend that you have whose doors shut the best and measure <laughs> the distance from their bulkhead to their tub and yeah. then set yours the same as long as your doors are the same, you know, uh, which they probably are. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's the sort of tolerance that you want for your bulkhead. And the bulkhead has some adjustability because there's a typically a bulkhead support bracket that goes down to the chassis, you know, and then there's a... Um, uh, you know, bolts that go through the chassis or the, the usually the bulkhead outrigger. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we leave those, you know, loose so that we can move it front and back and we can angle it a little bit if we have mm -hmm. to. And then uh, we set our door gaps and then we tighten all that down. So all your adjustability for the, the gap itself is going to be in the firewall. And then you can adjust the door in the hinges you know, yeah. uh, that's there's uh, there's play in the hinges as long as they aren't super rusty and the captive nuts aren't aren't stuck or or locked or fixed into position, then you've got some adjustability within that gap. But it's really important to set that gap uh, before you hang your door. Yeah, it is crucial to have that. Uh, I have a, an aluminum story stick that is. Uh, that is set to that gap width so that uh, when things are going back together, that it gets put back together correctly. Because I've definitely had, specifically the Series 1, accidentally have the firewall, you know, tightened all the way up and the doors don't go back on anymore. You just can't, you can't get the door in the hole and then you're, God damn it. So you have to drive the bulkhead forward and uh, shim behind it a little bit to make sure. Uh, Doesn't work. And, and that's another thing that you should know is that Land Rover used at least 37 shims in every vehicle so if you're if you're fitting the doors and tub and firewall and all that stuff you you must have at least 37 shims oh yeah you just a bag full of shims of, just uh, a stuff. bag of shims <laughs> oh my goodness so that's another that's another good point that uh, you bring up which is the the actual door latch you know mm -hmm. a lot of people are adjusting the door so that the door latch fits but really you got to get your gaps correct before 
you worry about the latch and the latch has its own adjustment and you can shim the latch forward and back. And so that should be a secondary getting the door to close should be secondary to getting the door to fit. I guess get is the what door I'm to fit, to then get it to close, then get it to stay closed. It's those three <laughs> crucial steps in that order. That's the well, that's the other thing. The angle of the windshield frame is also kind of important because mm-hmm. the windshield is hinged, right? Yep. And so yep. things that you would not expect to affect the door closing frequently do. So one of the things is the thickness of the seal that goes yep. in between the firewall and the bottom of the windshield frame. Yep affects how the door shuts because that affects the angle at which the the windshield sits so if the seal is too thin the the windshield has a tendency to come back the rake or angle at which it comes back is a little um more acute than it should be and then it interferes with the door top at the very top so that's another thing is uh, when you're hanging the doors once you kind of get it all where you think you want it put the door top on before you finally fix it into position because the angle of the firewall and the angle of the windshield frame is also important to how the door top closes against it to further, to further complicate matters. uh, The aftermarket door tops do not have the same angle as the factory ones. Yeah, that's right. So there's like uh, some popular aftermarket door tops, I think Rocky Mountain, Mm -hmm. and then there's, you know, standard replacement door tops that are aftermarket, and none of those have the same angle as the factory door tops. And usually, you know, if you're dealing with a Series 1 door top, either either you're fabricating it or you're having somebody fabricate it, um, I mean, all bets are off because it's, uh, I don't think any any two runs of doors are exactly the same. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of definitely some shimming under the windshield in the Series 1 to make sure that it's sitting, that that piece of bar is sitting at exactly the right angle. And then, of course, one small little, uh, little galvanized bar to keep the soft top on, not like the Series 2 and 3 that had a whole galvanized piece that sat there nope just a little bar that uh that connected to another bar that wiggles back and forth in the middle so really a uh it's it's sort of like pitching a tent more than it is putting a roof on a car so it's a uh, plenty of room well, for, for speaking of there. speaking of p- pitching a tent you have a piece of gear <laughs> you have a piece of gear that uh is uh is for, for your trousers speaking I understand. of uh, yeah speaking of pitching a tent um the yeah so so i those of us who own um a defender with a full with roll down window doors know that the door catch which is a piece that sits on the b pillar and is what catches the the little the little hooked hand that keeps the door closed allows you most of the time it's supposed to keep the door closed the factory ones have a uh, a little uh, nylon, the world's junkiest nylon uh, sort of roller in there so that the catch, you know, can actuate against it. And of course, that roller gets eaten out like inside of a, a week. <laughs> and uh, and that, you know, it, it totally turns to garbage. So um, another thing that happens, so you're, you're often left without that piece in there, which then allows it to rattle around. The door can rattle a little bit because that, that, that little roller that's supposed to take up that space isn't isn't there anymore. Um, another thing you'll notice that when you get in, um, it happens to be a sort of hooked little end on it where the the pressed metal piece forms a little dish on the end. And so you get in and your belt loop will get caught on it. And if you're 
you know, defender is of any stature, you're probably putting a little effort into getting into the car. You've got a little bit of momentum behind you. It will grab onto that loop and tear it off of your pants immediately. And so uh, there's actually, famously, Bear Grylls has a line of clothing. Uh, Bear Girls pants, which are I have a pair of Bear Girls pants, which are are, are some of my favorite uh, like mountaineering trousers. And everybody makes fun of me because I like I have a Bear Girls pants theme song. I love them so much. Um, but they actually they, they have, have a little po- snap. They have a, they have a pocket for bats. <laughs> you can snack you bats on. in there. Yeah, you get a snack bat. You get a little peckish. You get your snack bat out, and uh, yeah, it's great. Let's get some grubs, some snack bats. You know, it's fantastic. If I may interject, uh, the problem in this instance, and I've seen this happen, is if you have extremely durable pants Mm -hmm. and uh, you're getting out of your vehicle and you Uh hook a belt loop Mm -hmm. on that, it can take you clean off your feet. Yep. Yeah, and you can... Fall fall into a puddle of mud. I've oh, seen you go happen. under, yeah, because you kind of flip you, your feet, flip under the car, and you go yeah. straight straight down. Um, and the same thing is actually true going in. If you have like a pair of like Carhartt uh, pants on or something, something that has like belt loops meant to like lift a person by for whatever reason, uh, the same thing happens. You try to get in, and it stops you from getting in. So you just face plant into the center console. That's uh, and uh, I have the I have the you know the steel center console. So you just face plant right into the the sharp corner of a steel uh, center console. So it's, yeah, it's a real bad thing. So anyways, our friends... Wondering where that scar came from. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why I only have one eye. <laughs> uh, the uh, our, our friends at, at X Engineering, X-Eng in the, uh, in the UK, the guys who make uh, the, like the tractor brake for the Defender, the disc brake uh, that's actually from, a, I believe, a lawn tractor. Um, and it, uh, it they've retrofit it to fit into your Defender and, and make a much better brake than the drum brake that uh, comes with the car, have made some something called the X trouser, which is a door catch um, for your defender that has been specially designed to be totally smooth, uh, like a like a newborn baby. Uh, totally smooth and it like will not catch like a Ken doll. It's just, there's nothing down there. It's just, there's nothing to grab totally smooth entry into the car. It won't grab your belt loops. It won't wreck anything. And it has a steel. Now I did just wear out my steel roller, but it has a steel roller um, that and I, it, I think it's a milder steel than the, than the catch on the door. Cause otherwise the door catch would wear out and this definitely wears out, but it's a, it's a steel roller. And so it doesn't wear out as quickly and it keeps, Keeps the doors from kind of rattling when that uh, when that nylon bush uh, runs out. So it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty handy upgrade, and it is definitely my favorite Land Rover accessory of this of this particular podcast. I suggest that if you uh, if you want them, you should get them. Britpart actually carries the X Eng stuff to some limited degree, but they certainly carry. Uh, the uh, the trouser uh, saver the X trouser um, and you can uh, you can get it through anywhere you can get Brit parts so they're they're real handy I'm a big fan I just don't wear pants when I'm driving my vehicle yeah, so it's That's not easier, not yeah. a problem not a problem at all so I want to talk about uh, my favorite piece of Land Rover accessory or kit uh, the shovel. That's my favorite Land Rover accessory, the <laughs> shovel, because the Land Rover is so capable that it never gets stuck. You rarely need this implement, but uh, for for extracting other vehicles, much to their chagrin, a shovel is extremely handy. And, uh, you know, I, I love the three-quarter size 
British military shovel yeah. with the T the T handle. handle. That's yeah. That's the best. And they were made by I think 3700 different manufacturers. Oh, yeah. So no no two the same. Yeah, anyone No two are the yeah. same. Yeah, you cannot find two that are the same. They're all stamped differently. They're you know, they slightly different, you know, foot ledges. They're slightly different shapes. They're all different. I think I have 20 of these shovels and they're all different. One says Bulldog on it. One says mm-hmm. Lucas, as if the electrical company made the shovel. You know, one says um, Britool, I think, which yeah. was a, a famous uh, a tool and uh, hand tool manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they all are slightly different lengths. They're within a within an inch or inch and a half of each other. They have different pegs that hold the cross piece in place. They're all different. Some are cast. Some are stamped. Some are welded. You know, they're they're all totally different. So I think during World War II, basically anyone that could make a shovel was making these was shovels. Was making shovels, yeah. Making shovels, yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, no, I agree. They're super, super handy. I have a Carter's uh, uh, longer shovel, the the sort of, uh, you know, uh, the sort of garden spade size on the, the Camel Trophy size yep. on both my Camel Trophy truck and my Defender. And I use, I don't know that I've, I've used it to recover myself ever. I've certainly used it to recover someone else. But why most, would you? Your vehicle is so capable. So capable. Most <laughs> of the time, uh, most of the time, it's uh, used around uh, the the camp. You know, I use it to tend fire. I use it to uh, you know build a little little animal trench around my tent or or whatever that is. Uh, and An animal trench to, around your tent, so I can keep all the animals in a trench around my tent <laughs> to keep to ward off other other would be camp. Assailants, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I love that. I love it. Someone, uh, someone asked me when we, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, what? Are your, where did you get? How did you get your shovel weathered like that? Like, is it? You know, did you? What did you do to it? And I said, well, I just, it's been strapped to the to the wing of my car for ten years, and that's just that sort of does it. That takes care of it. You know, put it. Just in a leave it out fires. in the weather. Yeah, just leave it out and leave it outside for how, ten years. <laughs> I, I love when someone asks a question like that. How did your shovel get weathered? And you're like, uh. I left it out in the weather. The, the weather, you know? yeah, I don't know. The weather, the weather did it. Um, I have a couple of shovel tips. I have two shovel tips. Mm-hmm. One is actually for tending fire, like you you were mentioning a, bit, a little bit ago. So one thing on a cold winter's evening that is just lovely is to take some coals in your shovel, mm-hmm. in your three quarter size British military shovel. Take some mm-hmm. coals, put it under your camp chair, provided that your camp chair is of a normal height. Mm-hmm. Just, just. Just having a heated seat on a, a, an oh. evening camping is just just really nice. You 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 gotta make sure the coals are not too high; might melt mm-hmm. the vinyl mm-hmm. or the uh, nylon of your your seat there. But it's really nice, just a really nice thing. Uh, also, make sure that you're obviously using some fire safety common sense there. You know, don't want to put that next to flammable materials. But uh, what a pleasant thing, especially the ladies really like the heated camp chair. So uh, I can't tell you how. How happy that'll make people when you when you're like, check this out. Let me heat a camp chair for you. Yeah, yeah. On a cold on a cold evening camping, that's lovely. And then my second, you've pitched your tent, uh, then heat the uh, the camp chair after you've dug your animal trench. (laughs) Dig the animal trench. (laughs) My second shovel tip. My second shovel tip is always bring two. Otherwise, you're going to be digging alone. Yeah, you never dig alone. Never and on dig that, alone. Uh, on that uh, note, Ike, uh, never dig alone, never podcast alone. It is a, uh, it is a pleasure as uh, always. It has been uh, 
a slice. I am so glad we had an opportunity to uh, to swap tips on uh, animal trench digging um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and whatever else. So uh, we'll see you uh, again uh, next week. Have a wonderful uh, week. And uh, again, for anyone who is interested in some exceptional tip top tool tips uh head on over to our patreon check it out again as we always say if uh if you truly uh enjoy spending time with our good friend ike why not uh, let everybody on the apple podcast platform know that that is one of the ways that you spend your monday and remember to rate five stars if you don't feel like rating five stars maybe go to somebody else's podcast and, and rate them less than five stars um, <laughs> because we really appreciate your five so we are currently the top uh hit when you uh search land rover on uh, on the apple podcast app so uh, yes. there aren't a lot of podcasts about land rovers but uh hey you know take what we can get like and subscribe great to see you steven i'm looking forward to next week all right cheers for now Ike. all right take care Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Consider supporting the show through our Patreon, and when you do, you'll be given access to exclusive content and Underpowered Hour merch. Want even more Underpowered Hour? Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 